Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. Great to see all your guys' bright and shining faces. Um, We've been talking about Abraham, so we're going to talk about Abraham again this morning. I'm going to probably start in the book of Habakkuk. You know, he's in there, right? <laughs> anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you for, for your um, peace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for always being faithful to us, always being true to us, always being so kind in, in your grace and in your mercy, and um, just so thankful for that. And we give you the praise this morning for all that. And Holy Spirit, just speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to start reading here in Habakkuk. But I promise I'm going to Abraham. Okay? He is Abram so far, but he's getting ready to be Abraham. But I love Habakkuk because, like, Habakkuk's kind of a lot like Abraham. And I'll discuss that here in a Second, because Habakkuk's complaining to God because of what God's getting ready to tell him is getting ready to happen. And so this whole book, like, like there's, there's a part in this book that's talking about dreams and visions, right? Or about your vision, right? But then, like, I hear a lot of people quote that part of the scripture, but they forget the whole book around it, <laughs> right? And so there's a whole lot more going on in Habakkuk that, that we don't see. And what, what God's saying is he's... He's like, um, so let me just start off and read because it'll be way easier. And you guys, because like I, I get in my own head. My wife's like, you got to talk out of your head sometimes, you know, because like I'll be running so far ahead of myself. And she'll be just like, slow down, James. Like no one's going to understand what you're saying because like you're talking in your head and then you're thinking way ahead and telling people. And they're like, no clue what you're saying. So, so we're going to slow down. Sometimes slow is the new fast, right? <laughs> so, so here we go. So in Habakkuk 1, 1, it says, The oracle of Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. The justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. There's nothing new under the sun, right? So, so everything that, that we see happening has happened before. So, so there's stuff that's going on in our lives and in our country and other countries and, and in the way we, we just live, right, where there's injustices and there's violence and why did this happen or why did that happen? And, and we can get caught up in it and say, God, where are you at? Are you really here? Are you really seeing this? Are you really hearing what's going on? Right? 
How many, ever, anybody ever thought that? You know what, I prayed for this and this never happened. Or, or I prayed for that and that never happened. And God, where are you at? What's going on? Where are you at? Are you taking a nap or, or do you just not care? Right? Am I the only one who's ever felt like that? I mean, thank God. Whew, I was beginning to worry. I was like, well, it's just me. So maybe I need to pray through or something, right? But here Habakkuk's saying, man... I'm tired of seeing all this stuff. We're living um, with promises and we're living with, with all your goodness. And I know you're a good God. Well, and I know you're a just God, but what are you going to do about this? Right? And then I, I, it's where he says this, therefore the law is paralyzed. What he's saying is, is the word paralyzed? Is God's promises paralyzed? Is God's dreams and visions for for your life and for our life, are they paralyzed? Are they incapacitated? Are they not able to, to be realized? There's been times in my life where I thought God was on vacation, man. And it's usually after he told me, I want you to go do this. And I'm like, okay. And then whew, silence. And I'm like, that's not fair. But I realized something is like whenever I get stuck, do you know what I always do? I always go to the last thing that he told me to do. The last place he told me to be. What, what do you want me to do? And I just keep plugging. And I keep going until God opens the next door. And I keep thanking him. And sometimes it's doing nothing. And then I just do nothing praising him, right? We always think we got to do. Right? Do, 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 do. And you know what that is. I clean that out of stalls. <laughs> right? The stuff that comes from that. So, so we can't, can't get get caught up in, in the doing, we can, but we can get caught up in the being. Because it's not about what we do, but it's about who we are. And God said, I've made you a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, right? I was just listening to some, some um, Jewish music coming up, and one of the songs, coming up here to church, and one of the songs, I was talking in my head again, sorry. But coming up to church, I was listening on my radio this music. It's Jewish music. And it was Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah. Right? And I was like, man, that was God's dream. That's what God wanted to do. It's like he wanted to have the Jew and Gentile, one new man. Right? A new creation in Christ Jesus. And he says, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So it's about us just being, being who God called us to be. And he said, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? He made us righteous. He made us holy. He, he made us, he renewed, restored us back to what we lost in the Garden of Eden, right? Which, which the enemy took. So, now watch, that's not even on my message, that's free. But I guess this whole book kind of ties in together a little bit. You know what I mean? It's not, unless it's just a coincidence. But um, actually, you know, in Hebrew, there's no word for coincidence. So um, anyway, so you're seeing all this stuff around. And they're like, who's going to do something about this? Or who's going to do something about that? And then the Lord answers Habakkuk and he says this, look. At the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe. 
And I was praying, and, and God showed me, because like everybody's so worried about, about our country and so worried about the stuff that's going on. And, and I've been really praying for our country, because I'm a little worried about some of the stuff too, right? And then God's just like, look, I'm getting ready to do something that you guys will not believe, right? But it's not just for us. Like, like it's for the nations, right? God loves the nations of the world, right? He loves everybody. It didn't say for God so loved the United States of America that he sent his only son. <laughs> right? He said for God so loved the world that he, that he gave his only son. Right? And so I think a country, our country's great, and our country's always been missionary minded, but I think now we need more missionaries coming in, and we got them coming in, right? <laughs> and so it's great to have, but we, we live in a great nation, in a great place, and I'm excited to be here, but I want you guys to realize that God's still on the throne, no matter what you're seeing out there, no matter what's going on out there. And so here Habakkuk's complaining about all this stuff going on. And, and God, the Lord, answers, right? He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And so Habakkuk's like, yes, praise God. But he's like, I'm going to send the Babylonians, and they're going to take you into captivity. <laughs> what? That's not what I was expecting, right? Does God ever tell you something? It's like not what you want to hear. You're like, that's not right, God. How are you going to do this? What, are we going to die? Is this going to be the end of us? And Habakkuk is complaining, right? And so, so here God's t- talking about the, the Babylonians coming in and, and that they're ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to do dwelling places not their own, and he's like, I'm going to use them to get my purpose. What? That's not how I told you to do it, God. Right? And see, if Habakkuk didn't have the privilege of seeing this whole book come to pass, right? All he seen was his chapter, right? He seen what God was telling him. And he's seen God's promises, but, but sometimes in the midst of it, you see what's going on, and you think, well, this is bad, and that's bad, and this isn't going to work out, and this isn't going to work out. But God says, in all things, I will work for the good of those who love me and call, are called according to my purpose, right? And called according to his purpose. So he's using, here, here's, like, I love the Bible, especially even in the Torah and, and in the prophets here with with. with Habakkuk, where where God's literally showing us, because we're getting a snapshot of how God's saying, look, in all things I'm going to work for the good. This is going to happen, but guess what? It's going to be good in the end. I promise I'm going to use that, and the the evil's not going to prevail, and I'm going to come in, and I'm going to do a great thing that you never even dreamed possible. But God's saying, guess what? I'm going to do great things if you'll just trust me. Not just trust me when everything's rosy and you got the little birds circling over your head and you're dancing like a Disney princess and everything's good. Right? Because that's easy to trust God then. But trust me, even when it doesn't look like I'm awake, even when it looks like I'm not 
not around um, talking to you, even when I'm silent, even when you can't see me, even when you see wickedness going everywhere and all this other stuff. Trust me, because I've promised you that I will work it for your good. And you know what? His promises are maybe. His promises are, oh, if you'll do everything just perfect. No, his promises are yes and amen. Do you know what amen means? It means amen. No, it means so be it, right? Someone said that, right? Amen. Yes, so be it, right? So we have his promises. But you could also look, because like we can apply the word of God and take these promises for ourselves. And I was looking at it and said, look, in, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And I took it, I was like, wow, God, you're getting ready to show off. You're getting ready to do stuff that we never dreamed was possible. And you think, well, you know, the, the church could be persecuted or this could happen. I was like, you know what? That's the stupidest thing the enemy can do. Because every time he persecutes the church, the church thrives and it explodes. See, God's not going to be shackled or be handcuffed. And we can't be thinking like that. Anytime the enemy attacks me, I expect the good to come out of it. Because he says, in all things I'll work for the good. Right? And so I have God's promises. And that's one of his promises. Like... Like someone punches me in the nose. Hey, thank you. God bless you. That was so great. No, it doesn't feel that way at the time. But God can use that as a blessing. You hear what I'm saying? So here Habakkuk, he's, he's hearing this bad news. And, and so he complains again. He's negotiating with God, right? And he's saying, okay, God. Oh, Lord. I'm, I'm skipping from um, one. I'm going to verse two. In one verse twelve, O Lord, you are not from ever. O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. When, why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent? So now he's trying to talk God out of what God's getting ready to do. He, he, he's like arguing with him, right? There's no, no solid prophet in the Old Testament would be worth a grain of salt if he didn't argue back with God, right? And you're like, how dare him argue with God? I was like, you do it. Like, am I right? It, or is it just me? Right? So now, you know, you can't even see me go... I got the math. It's probably good. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> right? But he says, You have made men like, like fish in the sea, like sea creatures that have no ru- ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So, and so he rejoices in his glad. Therefore, he sacrifices his net and burns incense to his dragnet. Um, for by his net he lives in luxury and he enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? So here, he, here Habakkuk still complaining about what's going on. 
But now in chapter 2, something's getting ready to change. Something all of a sudden, it's just like maybe Habakkuk just had to get it off of his chest. You ever have that, that moment? I learned, I used to keep quiet with God about that kind of stuff. I'd be like, I'd be really upset. And so I'd just pout. I'd like slow up and not talk to him. And I was like, he knows my thoughts. You know? And he's like, dude, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're even going to say before you say it. So why don't you just be real with me? What, why don't you just be honest with me? Why don't you just tell me how you really feel? Because there's a health in that. There's a wholeness in that, right? Sometimes you just got to let it out. And he's a good listener, and I've never hurt his feelings. Right? There's times if I'd have talked to a human being like I've talked to God in the past, they'd have never talked to me again. But you know what I found with God is his love and mercy. He's like, are you done? Because I just want to love on you. And I just want to show you that it's going to be okay. If you'll just trust me, if you'll just accept what I'm saying, if you'll just, just receive my goodness, because I'm going to work this out for your good. Like Jesus told his disciples, he says, I want you to get on the boat and go to the other side. But they didn't tell him that, hey, there's going to be a storm arise, and you guys are going to think you're going to die in the middle of it. Right? But he said, you're going to the other side. One time Jesus was asleep in the boat. And they thought the storm arose. And they thought, we're going to drown. And Jesus was like, oh, you have little faith. And he sits up and he says, says throws them overboard, makes them swim. <laughs> that must be a different book. No, he stands up and says, peace, be still. And guess what happened? Nothing. No, peace came. That's what he's saying to us. You can see the winds. You can see the storm. You can see everything going around. But he said, I'm getting you to the other side. And he said, he never promised that we're not going to go through waves and storms and problems. But he did promise that he would be with us through them and give us victory in it and work those for our good. And that's good news. Those are the times where we get to grow, right? It comes down to, do we want to grow or do we want to be comfortable? And he usually don't let me vote on that. Right? So now we got Habakkuk and Habakkuk's changing his mind right in the middle of of all this and he says this i will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts he's like okay you know what i'm gonna stand my watch and i'm gonna station myself on the ramparts i will look to see what he will say to me and whatever i am to give to this complaint (laughs) so he's like you know what no matter what i'm gonna stand i'm gonna stand I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to go back. And he's like, I still got a complaint with this. I still don't like it. But I'm telling you, I, I've got this complaint, but I'm going to stand my watch. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stay with you, Father. I'm, go- I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay believing that you have a purpose because you've got a promise all the way back to Abram. Right? That, that your seed will be 
right? This is not going to destroy you, but this is going to propel you into the future that I've called you to go into and what I want to do in your life. That's good news, right? I think in Texas they call that a clue. (laughs) I love picking on Texas. And then he says this, Then the Lord replied, Write down the vision, or the NIV says revelation, and make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks to an end and will not prove false, that it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Uh, now, I was thinking of Habakkuk and how he was um, negotiating with God, and it reminded me of going all the way back to, to Abram. You guys want to take a trip with me real quick? Okay, let's go back. You're like, I wonder when you're going to get to Abram. Because I never heard of him in the... So, we started off with... We left off last week with with Lot and um, Abram quarreling, right? And so Lot goes into Sodom, and and Abram goes on and does what he does. And then it goes into this one one part where there's this king, this wicked king from Kedar Kedar La Kedar La Mor Omer, and like it means something like servant of the moon goddess or something was the name of his uh, of his name but he comes in and he wipes off out Sodom and Gomorrah and several other places and he takes them captive right well guess who just happened to be in this town when it was taken captive Lot right Lot's curling with Abram because he didn't want to be with him he wanted to be in the city man he had the toughest time in this city right and so he takes him, uh, the, this king takes him off. So Abram hears this. And so he takes his 318 fighters, men that he has with him. Now, you, we always think of Abram or, uh, as being alone, right? But he didn't. God blessed him, right? He, he had a lot of men with him. And this, this wasn't just Abram. I'm walking to the promised land. This is, an, this is a lot of people going with me. Man, can you imagine? I always wonder a lot of times what Abram was thinking. It's like, how am I going to feed these people? And them thinking, what is the matter with him? Because like he said, guess what? I'm go- Get up, Abram, and go to the land that I've called you to. And he goes, where am I going? He goes, I ain't going to tell you. Just go. Just step. Just follow me. And now he's got people following him too. Right? Then he gets to the land and there's a famine, so he has to go to Egypt. He has to give his wife away twice. Right? And God blesses him in the midst of that. And now he's marching up, and Lot's been with him the whole time. And he's like, I've had enough. I'm out of here. Now I'm going to Sodom. And now he's in Sodom, and he gets taken captive. I mean, come on, poor kid. Right? So Abram hears of this. So he takes his 318 men, which is a lot of dudes. And but, I mean, how many did the others have? So I look at that, too, and I think, man, 
Man, they were bad dudes. You think of Father Abraham as just, oh, Father Abraham, he had no clue. He's just following God because he was just like, okay, I believe you, God. But this dude was a bad dude, man. They took these armies on and, and defeated them and got all their spoil, right? So that's actually in, I'm, t- I'm going through a lot of chapters here. I'm just giving you the overview. You can read behind me if you want. So in... Um, Genesis 13, I just jumped into 14. And so here, here, in, um, here Abram goes and then he, ta- you know, he kicks their tail in, right? Like, um, like hopefully it don't happen a Super Bowl Sunday. Do you guys know that? Right? And I don't really care who wins. Isn't that sad? Anyway, so, so here, here Abram comes in and he defeats um, Genesis chapter 14, 7. He says, after Abram returned from defeating Kedor, Kedor, Kedor Leomar. I have the hardest time with that name. I think it's because of what it means. It just bothers me, right? And the kings allied with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba. That is the king's valley. So Abraham defeated him. Right? He won, got all the stuff back, and so he's meeting at the at the king's valley, and here the king of Sodom came to meet him in, in, in the valley. It's called the, the King's Valley. And then the Bible mentions this dude, his name's Melchizedek. Right? Anybody here of Melchizedek? Right? So in verse eighteen it says, Then Melchizedek, King of Salem. Do you know what Mel Melchizedek means it means king of righteousness and the king of peace brought out bread and wine and he was a priest of the God most high and he blessed Abram saying blessed be Abram by God most high El Elyon is, is God most high creator of heaven and earth and blessed be God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then as something funny goes on here, then Abram gave him a, a tenth of every of everything he had, right? Then then the or the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me and the people and keep the goods for yourself. Okay. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods to yourself. So Sodom's, this king of Sodom's in here talking with, with the king of righteousness and the king of peace, right? And talking with Abram. And, and the, Melchizedek is saying, Guess what? Um, I'm going to give, I'm going to, blessed are you. He brought out the wine and he brought out the bread. And this is so significant of Jesus. And this is so not my message. <laughs> So I'm trying. It's so important, though. It's hard for me to skim over it, right? But so here, but anytime I see Jesus in the New Testament, like my heart just leaps, and I'm like, I gotta tell you about it, but I can't. You're gonna have to wait. Stay tuned, right? (laughs) Then Abraham gave a tenth of everything, and the king of Sodom said to Abraham, "Give, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself." But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, "I have raised my hand." 
to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And I have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a throng uh, on your sandal, so that you will never be able to say that I made Abram rich. You know what he's saying? He already gave, gave God a tenth of everything. Now, ten in Hebrew means completeness anyway. It means everything anyway. He's like, God, I'm giving you everything. And then most people lock up because they think we're after, God's after your money. It's not just about your money. He wants your heart. And so that's what Abram was saying is, God, you got a tenth of everything I have. I trust you. You have proven to me that you're... Someone that I can trust. And so he opens up and, and gives him a tenth of everything, which he was saying to God, it, which was saying to God, hey, you have everything. This is it. I give you everything. And then this dude's like, you can take all the possessions and stuff. I just want my people back. And he's like, I don't want that because I don't want you to say that you made me rich. He's like, I have one provider and I have one source and he's the one who's made me rich and blessed me and done great things and given me the victory, and I'm only going to put my trust in him. And he says, I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me. And he gives them their, gives the names of the places and let them have their share. And then after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So, man, it took me forever to get to this place that I wanted to get here. So now we see that God's getting ready to give him, God's given him a vision, right? I just read, I just want to read this for a minute. Genesis 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. Abram, man, Abram gave God everything and he surrendered everything. And he said, I give you everything. And he said, I'm not going to depend on man. I'm going to depend on you. And then then God gives him a vision. What kind of vision has God given you? See, this is a vision that Abram had, that his name was changed to Abraham. And Abram, Abraham had such a heart for people that even when it went down to God said, hey, I'm going to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he started doing the Habakkuk thing, right? He's, he's like, well, let's negotiate, right? And he says, if there's so many people, right, 50 and then to 30 and then to 20 and then to 10. And why did he stop? I always wondered that. Why did he stop at 10? Why, why didn't he go on down? Say, what if there's just one? Right? What if you can just find one? How about if there's no righteous men that you just spare them because you're that good, God? What if he would have said that? Right? But Abram stopped. Abraham stopped. But the thing is, the Bible says that there's not one righteous, not one. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why God sent his son, his only son. And now we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through his sacrifice. But here, here Abram's negotiating. But he, he had a heart for people. But he got a vision. He had literally got to see the future. And, and I was uh, actually getting to help, um, help a, a guy plan a cowboy church down south of here. And um, 
I was just thinking in the process of it, it's been so fun working with him. And then I, will, I sat back and was thinking about all the stuff that's going on and, and the excitement of a new, what do you call it, just a new adventure for them, but also a fulfillment of a dream that they had. And as I'm sitting here listening to that, I was like, you know what, I get to help people fulfill their dreams. How cool is that? And then it hit me and I thought, wait a second. I just don't get to help people fulfill their dream. I'm getting to help God fulfill his dream for people too. Because see, God has a dream for our lives and he has a vision and a purpose. He knew us before we were born. There's, there's stuff in this life that we're called to that only we can do. We're that unique. And God has that dream and he has that vision. And so I was just thinking about that and I was like, what a blessing that is. Like, how fun is that to get to help people reach their dreams? And then God really put it on my heart. Well, that's what we should be doing. We should be helping people reach their dreams. And when we help people reach their dreams, then we're helping God reach his dream. Right? And then my prayer changed and something changed inside me. And I was like, God, what dream do you have for me? Not only that, what are you dreaming about that I can help you with? And something just snapped in my, in my heart, and I realized, wait a second. You ever ask God the right questions? Like here we see, see Habakkuk complain, and then we see Moses, or not Moses, um, Abraham negotiating. What if we just come to God and say, Father, what's on your heart? What, what do you need? What do you want? And I know what he's going to say. He's about people. He's about loving people. Right? But his heart's for me. And he's put good desires in my heart. And I'm thankful for those. Isn't that good news? He says, write the vision. Make it plain. So that you can run with it. What has God put in your heart? What's the dream that God's put in your heart? What, what are, are you looking for? What, what, what is inside you that burns deep that you just can't get out of your heart? Like I grew up, you know, my dad's a, a preacher, but when I grew up, I wasn't going to be a preacher. Right? That was like... Not me. I can't ride horses and be a preacher, right? And like my first word after mom and dad was cow, <laughs> right? So everywhere I went, cow, cow, cow. No, that's a dog. Cow, cat. No, that's a cow. Everything was cows or horses, right? So it was like in me. It wasn't something that I conjured up or, or, or worked up. It was something that desire that's in my heart, and I still have that desire, Right? Not just to work with cows, I like to eat them too, right? But I love horses and I love cows and I love the cowboy lifestyle. And that thing that I thought that God was, that, that, and then when God called me to be in the ministry, I thought, well, I'm going to have to set that aside. And it wasn't the case at all. In fact, God used the very desire that He put in my heart to reach people for Him. 
And so we're sitting back a lot of times wondering, well, I got to give this up or give that up. And God's like, no, I'm giving you tools so that you can reach people, fulfill your dreams and fulfill my dreams. And we can have it all, man, if you'll just trust me. If you'll just give it to me. If you'll just let me dream with you. Dream a little dream with me. I'm not going to sing. You guys will fire me. (laughs) Right? But it's a dream. Right? I love Martin Luther King. We just had that that day. He's, He's a hero forever. But he says, I have a dream. But you know what? I believe his dream was God's dream too. What dream has God put in your heart? Where has he taken you? It's not going to require much from you. It's just going to require everything. (laughs) But I promise when you give him everything, you get everything that he has back. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being with us. We love you. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.com dot o r g